0: People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Eisley. I like everything about him. All right. Today's guest is uh, a friend of ours we've known since 2008. Um, We had just done our first Big Illusion show uh, we were riding high on those coattails, and <laughs> we got an interview to do a long-format interview in Culpeper, Virginia, on something called Virginia Living Television. Yeah. And this lady was one of the hosts of the show. We fell in love with her. We loved her spot so much that we had it in one of our intros to our sizzle reels. And she's like, um, are you ready for some magic? And it was just <laughs> so awesome. It's so cute. I had to have it at the beginning of my sizzle reel. But – um, her name is Lana Young. She, um, since meeting her, this girl has taken off, she's taken over show business. Name any television show that you love, she's probably been in it. And um, I don't know, let me just introduce you guys to Lana and get started. Lana, everybody.
1: Woo! Hello, hello, hello. You are too kind with that introduction.
0: <laughs> well, golly, I mean, your IMDP page is, you know, seven pages long. It's, it's crazy.
1: You, I am very proud of that. You're very doing very great, great girl. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate
0: that. So, um, so you did a, a interview back in, uh, I think it was 2008. I'm not sure of the timeline. Was it about 2008,
1: 2009? Which interview are you talking about? Our interview? Yeah,
0: with me and Lon- with me and Natalie. It,
1: it, it would have been after 2009 because I moved to
0: Charlottesville in 2009. Okay, so
1: Los
0: I, was, I was I was close, and. um... <laughs> You hired me to work at your theater group trade show. And we were, yes. um, that was fun that, hanging out with you. That was wonderful. That was such a good decision of mine. <laughs> and um, we kept in the touch. We loved you. We kept in touch over the years. And like I said, every time I turn around, you just keep getting bigger and bigger. And this was the first time, you know, I usually have my magician friends on here. You know, sometimes I ask people that I, I don't know, I haven't grown up with, or don't know my whole life. But with your list of credentials, I was like, I don't know, Natalie. Will she even be on my podcast? You've just gotten so big, girl. I love it. I'm so proud of you. Thank
1: you. Well, I'm an island girl at heart, so my feet will always
0: be firmly planted in the sand. That's awesome. That's awesome. But um, I had on here in my notes from – I didn't do the introduction correctly. I'm sorry. Let's finish this here real quick. So from working on hit television shows to rubbing elbows – with uh, some of the biggest names in uh, in television and movies. That's that's what I wanted to say. Because uh, the list of people that you've worked with is pretty amazing, too. So, uh, yeah, you were talk about feet in the sand. Tell me about your Jamaica background. I don't know about that. Bermuda, not Jamaica. Bermuda. Sorry, that's a difference.
2: Oh, come on. Get it right, Wesley. <laughs>
0: well, let me tell everybody. Uh, I had to do some homework. We watched your new um, web series show. And um, it's Christmas time. We were making cookies last night. We were up till 4 a.m. watching your show last night. So I'm a little jet lagged. But,
2: uh, <laughs>
0: but I did type out Bermuda and Jamaica uh, wrong when I was wide awake. But tell me about Bermuda. Tell me about Bermuda.
1: Well, Bermuda is a tiny little island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's 21 square miles. And we've got about 65,000 people. Um, and it is a very special place. It, you know, a lot of people ask me if I was claustrophobic growing up there, and I, I one, always wondered to myself, how could you be claustrophobic with miles and miles and miles of the Atlantic Ocean all around you? You know, it, it, there was so much space and so much peace. Uh, it was really a beautiful upbringing.
0: Wow. wow. So, how did you end up in the states from there?
1: Well, you know, there's a long. That's a long story, but I, you know, it sort of started in. When I was young, you know, I did my first play when I was like four or something. It was like Puss in Boots or something like that. And, you know, I had been in, wanted to be an actor all my life. Um, but, you know, the reality of being an actor and making a living in Bermuda is nil. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. So I kind of put that aside and uh, pursued other ventures like Bermudians. You know, a lot of Bermudians go into the finance field or reinsurance. And so I ended up in, working for an investment company in Bermuda. And um, in 1990. Eight, I met a man who um, who asked me to marry him, and he he was Bermudian American and lived in Boston, and so I moved to Boston in 1998 to get married. So I've been in the states since then, except for two years in London uh, between 2003 and 2004. So that's kind of like the long or the short of it. And and uh, when I got to when I got I I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a firm believer in things happening for a reason.
0: And yeah, yeah, we are.
1: The, the, the the marriage was not meant to be, but the marriage was a breadcrumb on my path. And it put me exactly where I needed to be to pursue my, my dream and my passion, which was acting. So after I was divorced at 33, I realized that I had this wonderful opportunity, like a new start and decided that I was in a financial position and in a, in a position uh, of, of freedom to be able to finally pursue acting as a career and. Um, found this awesome conservatory in London, England, and auditioned, flew out there to audition, and I got in. So at 33, I went to drama school.
0: Wow. And
1: uh, it was really the best decision I've ever made, really. Um, and that's the truth. But it wasn't an easy road, you know? Like, I I did. I was there for two years, I worked for a year as an actor, um, and then moved to Los Angeles with big bright eyes, Bushy t- tail, you know, like I'm in Los Angeles. I'm an actor, you know, and and it didn't quite, it didn't quite work out that way um, because when I moved to Los Angeles, I was 35, and I'm I'm mixed race, so I'm an actor of color, uh, in my mid an actress of color in my mid 30s, and I already had two strikes against me in the Los Angeles world, you know, in a in a, at a time when casting was very Caucasian and very young. There weren't
0: a lot of roles for me. And I feel like most people feel like their career, especially women, from what I know in in the acting world, mm-hmm. they feel like their career is wrapping up by the time they're thirty-three and you blew up. So you, you totally hit the lottery in so many different ways, you know? It's so right. awesome. But right. I, I'm not saying well, I, I'm not saying I, you I, hit the lottery that you didn't put in any work. I mean, you kept you kept at it. But I feel like if if you yeah. would have started and if you would have been born in L.A. and you had done that whole thing up until 33 and you hadn't hit it by then, that might have been a time normal people would have been giving up. And you just started and I still feel like it's the start of yours because every day I turn around, you're on something new, doing something new. It, it's, it's crazy, girl. It's awesome. I,
1: definitely, I definitely feel like it's always an, a, a new start. I feel like every day is like a new start. Um, you know, and I, I did keep at it, and I, I didn't really start making a living at it until I was 45. So, you know, think about that. I went to drama school at 33, moved to L.A. at 35, came to Charlottesville for five years. Don't forget that. I took a break. I came to Charlottesville and started an acting school. So there was a big five-year break in between Los Angeles, Los Angeles and New York. I'm a a true believer in in it being all about timing, and uh, you know when I was in LA, it wasn't my time. And then finally, uh, 2014 rolled around, and I got a new agent. I got another agent after having my drama school and doing sort of independent film in 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 Virginia, and all of a sudden the industry had caught up with me. You know there were roles for people of color, there was roles for older women, um, and you know, I got Southpaw. That's when that's when I got Southpaw. Southpaw, in Pittsburgh, with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Rachel McAdams, and Antoine Fuqua was my director. Antoine Fuqua said to me several times during filming, "You should be in New York." And it was really funny because everybody on set, right, all the actors on set, were like, "Yeah, I'm from New York." Yeah, I'm from LA, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm from Charlottesville." <laughs> <laughs> And it was so funny, and um, and everyone was like, "You should be in New York. You should be in New York." And that film wrapped. We wrapped filming in August 2014. I went back to Charlottesville, and I rented my house, and I moved to New York the next month.
0: Wow!
1: And wow. I never looked back.
0: So, so why why does everybody say in New York instead of uh, I mean, Georgia is real popular now for doing movies and
1: now. It- Yes, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't in in 2014. North Carolina was sort of the busy place to be in in that at that time. Um, But New York, you see, people still have an old idea that the leads and the best actors come out of the big markets like New York and LA.
0: Right.
1: So uh, you know, Georgia's very busy, and it it is changing. They are starting to because a lot of actors from New York and LA are moving to Atlanta. uh, But the industry is, you know, still sort of on the edge of recruiting or casting their lead roles out of New York and L.A. So it's a fine line, you know, to, to kind of balance. Do I move to Atlanta and work all the time as a supporting actor or do I stay in New York hoping to win a big role, you know, as a, a lead role?
2: Wow, so, gotcha.
1: um, And and the, and the the industry evolves constantly. And, of course, COVID was a whole new evolution. Um, so, you know, you I just go with the flow and I keep my finger on the pulse and I just try to always figure out, what my next best
0: move is, you know? Well, I have, I have, and you're two pages, seven pages of spots that you've done on IMDb. <laughs> I got NCIS, Law & Order SVU, Blind Spot, Kevin Can Wait, and Zoe One on 101. These are shows that I know, these are shows that I've watched either with Natalie or with my kid, and um, it, it, the list just goes on and on and on. Do you have any, uh, behind the scenes stories of working with, uh, any of these, uh, people like, uh, like Jake Gyllenhaal, Rachel McAdams, or any, anything you can tell the listeners how, how cool that is behind the scenes?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, um, I do always do a bunch of research on people before I go to set. Um, I have, since I was a little girl, I was always a, a talker. I loved talking to strangers and I still love talking to strangers. Um. But in the set world, you only have a certain amount of time to connect with someone, if at all. Right. You know, if you're not a lead, if you're just a supporting actor coming in to support the story for a day or a week, you know, you're coming in, the director already expects you to know what you're doing. You meet the director, you meet your, your um, fellow, you know, castmates, and without with a few rehearsals and some blocking with the, with the, with the crew, you're feuding. And there's not a lot of time to get to know people. So I know that I have usually about an hour in the hair and makeup room where I might come across the actors that I'm working with. And, and luckily my career has always been working with the leads of the show or the movie. So I, you know, I know that when I'm going to work that I'm working with like, you know, um, uh, like you said, Jake Gyllenhaal or Rachel McAdams or Kate Blanchett or, you know, the list goes on. So I do my research on them and figure out if there's something that I have in common with them and then I get to the makeup, chair, makeup chair and in they walk, you know? Um, and it, it is, it's a wonderful moment because not only have you, have I grown up watching a lot of these people or grown up with these people while they've been doing their job, now I'm sitting next to them getting my hair and makeup done and they're just an ordinary person going to work.
0: It's you know? so crazy.
1: Uh, yeah, and so... Um, Rachel McAdams is a good example. She was absolutely lovely, um, and she's from Canada, and I went to school in Canada. I went to boarding school and university in Canada, so I knew that I had that in common with her, and she sat down. She introduced herself to me right away, which is wonderful when they do that, and we started chatting, and I said, you know, I, I went to school in Canada and immediately got her attention, so now we were talking about Canada, which, you know, and it just becomes this wonderful camaraderie, and now when we step on set we've already broken that ice, that ice, you know, we have already made a connection and we don't have to be awkward or uncomfortable with each other. So to answer your question about any behind the scenes stories, with Southpaw, I was, uh, cast as Gloria, Rachel and Jake's characters, uh, housekeeper and nanny for Una, Una Lawrence played their daughter. Um, it was very clear in the in the script that my job is to take care of the family you know i'm the help hired help and which is funny because i'd say a lot of doctors and high status roles so it was it was nice for a change to kind of have a different type of feeling with my role with my character so the um, PA comes over and says Antoine wants to speak to everybody so we gather around it's me Jake Gyllenhaal, Rachel McAdams, and Antoine Fuqua right we, you know Denzel won uh, an Oscar with Antoine directing him in training day. So these are big heavy hitters and, wow. and then there's Lana Young standing there from Bermuda.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it was my it was my first major feature film. I had already been in Beginners, which you know Christopher Plummer won the Oscar uh, in, and that was a very small role as an ICU nurse number two, uh, but that was an independent film. So this was my, big, my first big studio feature film, and I was a little nervous, but I also felt like I belonged there, like I'm here to do my job. And so we started talking about what the scene was coming up, what our relationships were to each other, what, what we expected out of the scene, et cetera. And Antoine says, well, I think that you guys should change it and make it that Gloria grew up with you in your neighborhood. And when Billy Hope, the boxer, became famous, you brought her along with you so she could enjoy the fame, and you gave her a job, and she got to be near you. So, of course, if you know anything about relationships, that completely changes how people interact with each other, right? Right, yeah. Like, if I'm the help and I'm the hired help, and there's going to be that basic professional relationship between me and the family. But now he's saying we grew up together. That changes everything. So Jake and I and, and Rachel and I look at each other and we kind of giggle like, okay, well that, that changes everything. And then Jake says, well then I think um, I think Billy and Gloria dated when we were in high school, meeting my character and his character. Wow. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, yeah, we should do some flashbacks about that. <laughs> <laughs> So it was really nice to have that moment of levity with him because it was a very intense character. And once we got once we got started filming, you know, he got into it. And he, you know, there was a lot of rage there for what the character was going through. And, um, and that's what I got to see for the rest of the film, for the rest of my time shooting there, which was about three weeks, was him in character. So if I hadn't gotten to see that one little moment of fun levity... Uh, I may have misunderstood his personality, um, you know, because I may not have understood that it was his character that was walking around, and not Jake Gyllenhaal walking around. If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Wow. You got to open the veil. He was in. He was in character mode, and you got to get behind the curtain a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then at the end, when I was when I was heading out, um, I went to the. They had created this whole gym area with a boxing ring and everything. um, and, you know, so that they could practice and rehearse choreography and stuff like that in between. Um, and Forrest Whitaker, when I walked in, Forrest Whitaker was in the ring practicing with the boxing coach. And uh, I looked over and I was like, hey. And he looked over and he's like, hey. And he dropped his gloves and he comes over, walks over to me, shakes my hand. We start chatting about, you know, where he's from, where I'm from and being on the, in the movie and stuff. And that was really cool. And then I saw Jake and I went over to say goodbye. And he was in Jake mode, not Billy Hope mode. So he was very casual, very cool again, and he again encouraged me to go to New York. He's an L.A. guy, but he lives in New York, and he said the difference, he feels the difference is L.A. you know, tends to be um, a little more glamorous, a little more uh, comp- competitive, and more about fame, and New York is more about the craft and the process, and it was very it, much more supportive. The actors are much more supportive of each other and collaborative, and of course, that's the way I work, so... Uh, it just made sense. New
0: York wow. made sense for me, well, and
2: obviously worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Well, exactly. one of the things I wanted to ask you, when you go onto a set, because like I said, sometimes you're just doing a one-off. you are only in one episode. <clears throat> Do you ever feel like you have to like break in and, and open up a click just to talk to someone? Do you feel like that people, you know? Uh... Well, it's that, that's a great
1: question because. You have to be very sensitive to your surroundings, you know, you have to have great self-awareness and, some, and, and really be able to read a room. Some people, you know, especially if it's a, if it's a particularly complicated scene or a particularly emotional scene, then chances are the, co- the people that you're working with are going to have to really be focusing on their preparation. So you don't want to be going over being like, Oh, Hey, I'm on, I'm playing the doctor today, la la la. And, and they're like really trying to wrap themselves up to go in and cry for, for two hours. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, again, the hair and makeup room is a wonderful place to, to break that ice. And I will always, I can always sense how far the fellow, my fellow actors want to go with, with chatting and getting to know you. And I usually let them lead the way. Okay. So if they come into the makeup room and I get their I catch their eye, I'll immediately say, Hey, I'm your doctor, so and so for the day and they'll be like, Oh hi, yeah, Lana Lana and they'll chat and I'll get a sense of whether they want to continue the chat and learn more about me or if they just want to focus on their their lines for the next scene.
0: Well that's what I was gonna ask. In the hair and makeup room are people going over their lines or they should usually have that by then?
1: Well, you see, in this business, lines can change all the time. And if you're a lead in a show, if the show is about you and you're working almost every day, then you have so many lines that you're you're shooting from scene to scene. So the scene that I'm in, like, let's say the resident, right? I play a doctor. I recur as Dr. Mary Oster. She's an oncologist on the resident. When I go in there, you know, I might be shooting one scene over a course of two days, maybe two scenes over the course of two days. But when my scene is done for that day, they are going on to shoot another scene and then potentially another scene and then potentially another scene, the lead actors. So, you know, while they are familiar with their sides, with their lines, um, they have a lot of words to say that day. So when they're getting refreshed to change from one scene to the next, yes, they're definitely looking at their lines, especially if the lines have been changed that day, which happens as well. I've right. had line changes in the middle of a scene. So not only are you thinking about hitting your mark, so, you know, it's not, like it's, it's, it's not like sort of theater where you've done all your blocking and the blocking never changes. You're learning your blocking in the moment. You might have to do a really weird banana walk over to your mark where they've prepared the camera to, be, to cap, capture you in, in the shot that they want to capture you in. Uh, not only do you have to think about that, but you also have to think about what you're there to do and how to relate to the other actors and, and also remember your lines and now you've just been given a line change right in that moment and you've got maybe you know, 25 people around you with cameras in your face and lights and all that stuff. So there's a lot going on. So it's really great to be focused. So yeah, you're, you're looking at your lines, people have lines right next to the camera and in between scenes they'll go grab their lines and take a look at it and put it down and go back.
0: Wow. Wow, yeah. wow.
1: And when, and when you do the rehearsal with the, with the camera and the director before they get all set up with lighting and everything, mo- most of the time all the actors have their, what we call them sides. It's just the papers with the lines of that particular scene. Um, all the actors usually have their sides in their hand because the first rehearsal is just to hear the words out loud. So it's not like you're proving to the director in that moment, hey, look, I know my lines. It's just to hear the lines so that they can remind the director of where we are in the script, and then from there, we go into blocking it, and then from there, we're able to kind of put our sides down a little bit and just go through the lines, go through the blocking, get it ready to shoot. And then when, uh, when we're done doing that, second team comes in, which are our stand-ins, we get to go sit down and relax. Our stand-ins come in, and they stand in those places while the camera and the lights and everything are set up around them. And then when they're ready to shoot the scene, they say, uh, first team, ready for first team, PAs will come in, They'll they'll t- grab us, put our shoes on if we're wearing comfort shoes. They'll lead us to set. The, the, uh, the, the stand-ins will give us any notes if anything changed, and then they leave. And they try to get stand-ins that look similar to you, Right. For height, for height, for coloring, all of that stuff, like hair shape and all that stuff, and um, and then and then you shoot. Now. And then you shoot again, and shoot again, and shoot again.
0: <laughs> now is that the is that is that the top echelon? Is that the uh, Southpaw type movie? But TV shows are different. Or are they pretty much? You're describing pretty much everything.
1: Uh, most things are are pretty similar, except with film. It tends to be a lot slower. TV is very fast. You're shooting an episode, you know, you have a week to shoot an episode, five days to shoot an episode. And, you know, all sorts of things can happen. All sorts of obstacles can happen. So time is of the essence. I mean, I will, I remember my first TV show was, oh, Zoe 101 was my first TV show. I was kind of like deer in headlights in that one. I just kind of watched and listened a lot. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no on-camera training. I had no on-camera training when I auditioned for my first film, which I, which I actually booked. Um, I just faked, you know, faked it. I listened a lot and watched a lot and just figured it out as I went along. Um, but with my second, my second TV show was a recurring role on the Vampire Diaries. And that's why I'm still living in Charlottesville. And, um, I remember I went in and I waited and, waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and finally they were ready for me and they zipped me over to set, they quickly introduced me to um, to the director uh, and um, it was quick rehearsal and I had to start the scene and it was like, okay, let's go, let's shoot, they set up set everything up and then they were like, let's shoot and action and I just had to say my lines, you know, and it was like there was not a lot of time to get your head around what was happening you just have to be focused and calm and relaxed and ready to go preparation preparation preparation
0: wow yeah so something something like vampire diaries I mean you get cast on that show do you do you because you're an actress you can just walk on there and do your thing but do you do research and watch the episodes ahead of time so you get a feel of what the show is and how it's shot and different things like that
1: fact that is incredibly important, um, and for any uh, actors out there watching or any people who love acting, um, you can't audition properly for a show if you have no idea what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like, what the pace is, all of those things. Now, granted, there are shows that are new shows. There's no, there's no history. There's no you know previous episodes. They are shooting the pilot or they're shooting the, the first season, and there's nothing to, to look at. You then would have to look at the producer, the director, get a sense of what they've done in the past and just try to guess from that. But like the Vampire Diaries, yes, absolutely. I watched it. I saw, um, I saw the drama in it, but I also saw the tongue-in-cheek, t- tongue-in-cheekedness of it. I saw the colors. Um, they were sort of muted, uh, uh, you know, warm colors. And I dressed accordingly. And my performance fit the, the pace of the show. You know, it's it moves at quite a clip. It's not a slow show. It's not like this is us. You know, it's it's it moves fast. It, it moves at a quick pace. So yes, I I've done all my research, and wow. you know, I don't I don't tell a lot of people this, but I, I you know I think it's really important for people to understand how this business works. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll preface it with uh, the fact that between six hundred and three thousand people are submitted for one role.
2: Oh my okay? goodness.
1: So think about that, right? Then those people, out of those people, the casting director have to decide who they want to invite for an audition. Between 25 and 50 of those people get invited for an audition. And then one person is chosen. So this is why when I coach, I explain that if you don't get the job, it's not the end of the world. It has not, most likely has nothing to do with you. It just wasn't your job. It was somebody else's job, you know? Um, you have to look at getting the job as only one part of your business as an actor. Getting the audition is worth a celebration because you have just broken those odds. So for, so for Vampire Diaries, I I got on set, um, Ian Sommerhalder, who is lovely and talks a million miles a minute, kept me company while we waited for our first scene to be shot. He's one of the leads of the show. Uh, He played um, Damon. And, when we got on set, he ran over to the director and he was like, you're going to love her. She's really great. She's really great talking about me to the director. And then he said, and she's healthy. And I had no idea what he meant by that. And then I found out later on that someone else had been cast in that role and they got sick and I was their second choice. Oh, oh no. wow. Now, how, what a gift is that? You know, what a gift was that for me? Wow and, and you know, I got to go in and do this role, and it was the beginning of you know it, it's it's that role of recurring on this on the vampire Diaries on my resume is such a gift. you know, I got to be on on two more episodes of that show and uh, and it's very popular. I was very popular with my
2: students at my acting school because they all watched it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome,
0: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I nice. loved it. But, yeah, so, you know, the odds are, you know,
1: when you get into this business, it is tough. And, and I don't say the odds to dissuade anyone, nor do I want it to be the thing they think about when they're submitting, because you have to think there's no reason why I can't get this role. You know, it's, to me, it's 50-50. 50-50, I'll get it. 50-50, I won't. I choose to focus on the 50 I get that I will get it, if yeah. that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. You have you know, to
0: stay you
1: have positive. To have that belief. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You have to have that belief in yourself, in the role, and the possibilities of yourself in this business and just believe that it will happen, you
0: know? Well, so. I don't know if you know this, but Natalie loved being an actress. She did uh, stuff in high school. <laughs> she did stuff in college. She directed plays. She uh, she she wanted to be an actress and then she met a magician and uh, she's on, <laughs> she's on stage all the time, but she doesn't do the actress thing. So I know... Natalie's eating this thing up. She's okay.
2: Yeah, I I'm, I'm loving hearing about it. I'm loving hearing about how it all works and 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 all that good stuff. I I love that you have Blind Spot on your on your resume. I love that show. Well, I watched the first um the first season of it, but I, I and then then we moved and I wasn't able to record it but I absolutely love that show. I thought that was awesome. So I was like, she's well, in the Blind the, Spot. I, I, That's so cool. <laughs> and of course
1: I was the doctor of Blind Spot. But the cool I'm glad I'm glad you brought Blind Spot up because the really cool coincidence about Blind Spot is Una Lawrence was in my episode.
2: Oh wow. Oh.
1: Una Lawrence was the actress who I played the nanny in Southpaw.
2: <laughs> wow. That is so cool.
1: So we got to work together again. Um, and it was yeah, it was awesome. She was the, she was a guest star of that of that particular episode. And, and it was so great to see her again. Yeah. So and that's, what, that's what's crazy about this business. I see some of the same people all the time, especially when I work in Atlanta, I go on set and everybody's like, Oh, I worked with you on this. Oh, yeah, I worked with you on that. And it's just a wonderful small world.
0: So I'm a little kid, and when I go onto a set or I'm filming, I'm taking it all in, and I'm—it's just because I never know if I'm gonna ever do it again. You know, it's a one-time thing for me because I'm not an actor or actress. But for you, walking on a set of a television show you love, are you still like bright-eyed like a kid, like you can't believe it, or are you just you fake it and just 100% professional? How, how, what happens when you walk onto a set that you love?
1: Well, I am always happy to be at work and I'm not gonna lie it, it has evolved over the years I mean when I first started it was like uh, you know a dream come true literally the American dream come true for you know, this little island girl who only dreamt of being an actress is I is now on TV and in films it it you know it really is a dream come true um, over the years it is you know it has become my job so the excitement comes from booking the role, booking the job because we know how difficult it is to do it. So every time I book something, I'm elated and I'm grateful and I I'm, you know I give gratitude. Um, and
0: you, and your and your Facebook to, post booking alert.
1: Yeah, booking alert. Which I actually stopped after a while because it was starting to happen
0: too so often that I felt like it was becoming boasty. <laughs> it wasn't boasty. I was I was happy for you every time. Keep boasting, girl. You. You're working hard for that.
2: Yeah, you deserve it. Thank you. I decided to make it just that once I booked, I
1: would just um, shoot my little videos from set. um, Like, here I am on set again or whatever, rather than booking alert, booking alert. Because for other actors who are trying really hard, sometimes, you know, everybody's happy for you, but it's also a reminder that you're not working. So I just, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want it to be too much. uh, So I just decided to approach it a different way. But um, anyway, uh, what was I saying
0: about, walking onto oh, a set you already love set,
1: getting on set so it is now my job but i celebrate and i am elated when i book the job because i know uh, you know how difficult that is um and then when i'm on set it's it's all business but i'm still happy it's my happy place it's where it's it's literally you know when you when they say um if you love your job you don't work a day in your life like it does feel like that even though it's a lot of hard work um it's it's wonderful it just feels more it feels different i always say new level new devil you know so now that it's my job it it doesn't feel as like i don't feel as giddy but i'm still excited and i'm still grateful does that make sense yeah yeah
2: so have did you have like an uh, somebody that you looked up to when you were younger as far as acting and and have you gotten to meet them if you did
1: um well, one person in particular um, is Kate Blanchett, and uh, I absolutely love her. I think that she's just a, a stunning actor. Um, I, I had many, but I, I never sort of had one where I was like, ooh, I want to be like her. I just always kind of looked at the people that moved me, and then I watched their work and tried to figure out, you know, what they did to get, what their process was and what they did to get where they did, etc. Yeah. But I booked um, a role on Where'd You Go, Bernadette, and I was on, when it all happened, this story is really cool, actually. When, when I, um, I was on set filming a Lifetime movie in Atlanta, no, in Pittsburgh, and, um, and it was based on a true story, uh, I had auditioned for, no, wait a minute, have I auditioned for him yet? No. So Richard Linklater, do you guys know who Richard Linklater is?
0: No, I mean the name sounds familiar. Oh my God, he's like he's like the godfather
1: of of independent movies. Okay, okay. Um, he has done so many. I you know you probably know his stuff. Um, but anyway, so where you where did you go? debt was his big in, independent film. He did the film Boyhood. I don't know if you remember that one. It was the one that he filmed over several years, and the kids actually grow up yes. in the film. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so that's that's one of his. Um, And he did Fast Food Nation and so on and so forth. Bad News Bears, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I'm on set shooting this very intense scene with a bunch of kids because the movie, the Lifetime movie I was shooting was um, uh, about an active shooter in a school that the school uh, bookkeeper ends up uh, convincing to put his guns down and give himself in, give himself up before anybody got, got hurt. So it was kind of a miracle story, and so we're shooting this scene. I'm in the classroom with all these kids hunkering down. I'm trying to keep them safe because we have this active shooter in the school, and you know we all know how scary that is because it's like it, it was like such a common event. It was becoming such a common event. It was heartbreaking. And then I get this message in between sh- shots from Donna Jack who's a cast, who's you know kind of lead casting director in Pittsburgh, uh, saying Richard is in in town and he you know we want you to come in and audition for where'd you go Bernadette can you get here like how fast can you get here because I I don't know how much longer I can keep him in the office and I was like oh my god I was like I'm just finishing up my last shot so I finished the last shot changed hopped in an uber tail to her office like ran in like the Tasmanian devil into the audition room and there's Richard Linklater and I'm just like oh my god it's Richard Linklater and I was talking like talking like a mile a minute and and he I said I'm sorry I'm just coming off set I'm really like pumped up right now and and we had a great chat he laughed I was humoring him and then I was like so I think I'm here to do an audition right (laughs) he's like yeah and I said what do you want me to do so he hands me the lines I stand up there do the audition and I'm like thanks guys I'll see you later and I zoomed out and as I left I was like was I just like a like a hurricane flying through here? And he's like, yeah, and I loved it. And I was uh, like, okay, bye. Wow, <laughs> that worked out. I and I ran out. And then um, uh, Donna and I have become great friends because she cast me in Southpaw all those years back in 2014. And uh, so she met me for a drink later on that night. And, uh we are chatting away, chatting away, chatting away. And then all of a sudden, I said to her, are you going to put me out of my misery? Like, did I get it or not? And she's like, you got it.
2: Nice. <laughs>
1: so I got to work directly with Kate Blanchett.
2: Nice. I get,
1: I get to set. Um, I'm put in the, in the waiting room in the green room where they set up the cast chairs and everything. And I'm going over my lines. I'm waiting to go in. I'm going over my lines. And, all, and they, they brought in Kate Blanchett's chair. And I was like, oh, she doesn't want to have a chair by herself somewhere. And they're like, no, she's fine with this. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just keep working. And then I realized there are like four people walking behind me into the room. And I turn around. I'm like, hey. And I turn back around. And then I realized it was her. And I turned back and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't recognize you. And she's like, oh, it's, it's the brunette hair. You know, and she had her hair done for this role. So she walked over. And she's like, I'm Kate. And I'm like, I'm Lana. Nice to meet you. And she just went right into working. She was like... Lana, I want to change this this line here and here, and I just want to make sure it doesn't mess you up too much. Do you mind if we, like, work on it a little bit? And I was like, do I mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we start working on it, and it was fine anyway. Then Richard Linklater comes in. We start talking about everything from politics to life to love for 20 minutes, and then we hop on set, and I'm in dreamland working with Kate Blanchett and her character in Where'd You Go, Bernadette is very quirky and dysfunctional like all the characters she loves to play and after our, fir- after our first couple of shoots um takes she comes she finishes her line and she looks up at me and she puts her hand on my hand she's like was that all right and I was like you look- sounded good to me <laughs> and I was like here's this woman who has won multiple awards asking me if if what she just did was okay
0: that's so awesome
1: you know, and I just realized that she, she is human like all of us and we all question ourselves and we all want to be the best we can be. And she was in that moment we were actors and we were working together and that's all.
2: Yeah. And
1: in between takes when we had when we when it was time for us for them to move the camera, and the equipment around and our stand ins were in, we would go back to our green room, she'd pull out her phone and show me pictures of her kids and she'd talk about Australia. And she's like, we're like, we're the same. We're island girls. And I was like, yeah, but my island's a lot smaller than your island. <laughs> um, so she was really cool. And at the end of shooting, I said, to, I put, we were walking off set, and I put my hand out, and I said, Kate. And she put her hand in my hand, and she said, Lana. And I said, I have been able to take this off my vision list. I, you were on my vision list as an actor I would, wanted to work with, and now I can take that off. And she just gave me a hug and she was like thank you that's so lovely to hear
2: oh that's awesome that
1: was it and then I got cut my part got cut out of the
2: film
1: it was such a small role and they realized that they they had a big movie they had to cut the time way way down and they realized there was all these little small incidental roles like in between roles um scenes that didn't weren't necessary to tell the story that she could get from here to there without this scene. Yeah. So Rich, Richard Linklater, which this never happens, sent me a long email explaining it all and saying how much he loved working with me and blah, 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 blah. And here is your scene with Kate.
2: Oh, wow. And he gave me the
1: scene with Kate. <laughs> so he gave
2: you
0: video. He gave you video with everything with it. Not the video.
1: What was shot, what was cut out of the movie. So it wasn't like amateur video. Like, I have
0: it on my demo reel. That is awesome, awesome. girl. That is awesome. So, you know, like little beautiful things like that happen that keep
1: my faith in humanity because this can be a very tough business, very narcissistic business, very political at times. Uh, So when little beautiful things like that happen, it makes everything okay, you know?
0: So I'm 43 now. And, you know, just looking back, I've been doing this since 1996 and I, I keep looking, you know, I don't know how many more years I have, 30 more years, 40 more years if I'm lucky because I'm going to be doing this until I'm dead and I'm not going to retire. I, you're doing something right. you love like this. I'm not going to retire. Exactly. Um, if I hit the lottery tomorrow, I'd still be doing shows. And Natalie said, yeah, but do we have to do 400 a year? But, <laughs> you know, I'm still going to be doing shows no matter what. But I look back and I'm like, you know, if I die tomorrow, I've accomplished so much and I'm so happy with where I've come in my magic. Um, have you hit that yet? Where if, if something happened and you just weren't an actress anymore, that you've actually got to where you're proud of yourself or you're still very, very, very hungry. I'm still hungry, but yeah. I've gotten to a point where I'm like, whoa, as a kid wanting to do magic, I never thought I would get to the level I've gotten to now. So, yeah. is that how, how do you yeah. feel? Well,
1: I think this is so important um, because I think that it's really important to look at where we are in our lives and say, "And this is good. You have accomplished a lot. Yes, there's still more I'd like to accomplish, but right now, I don't have any regrets. I haven't not done something that I put my mind to. You know, and so I, I think that is, you know, I can definitely say um, that if I died tomorrow, I would be happy with how my life turned out for sure. Um, I still have things I want to do. I just wrote a pilot for a show. You know, I want to create my own content, uh, and write the, write, write the roles that I really want to play. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that something comes of that. I, I love producing as well. And I love directing. Uh, I'd love to start doing more of that stuff. And so to me, it's just the next, it's the next journey, right? So it's not like, I'm upset because I haven't done that yet. Right. I'm celebrating that I have accomplished what I have so far, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So um, when we were talking earlier and you said, you know, everything happens for a reason and, you know, that's a big thing in my podcast. It just keeps coming up over and over and over and a lot of people see that or, you know, are realizing that and, and saying it on our podcast. So it's a theme that runs through our podcast But uh, tell Natalie about the story of uh, what show you were cast in and you got recast. And that was awful, but that ended up being awesome.
1: Oh, yeah, that was a beautiful, beautiful and and sad story all at the same time. So in 2018, uh, my mother was going in for for a routine surgery in Bermuda, and I flew there um, to – you know, just be there for her, take her home, get her settled, take care of her for five days, and then come back to work. Uh-huh. Now that year, that was uh, January twenty eighteen. In twenty seventeen, I um, part of my vision board for that year was to book a series regular and to star in a in a um, in a feature film. Oh, both wow. of those things, both of those things happened. I I got cast in a in a feature film that was actually shot in Charlottesville. Uh, called Bentley's will, and um, I was the lead in that. I was I played Bentley, and then I got cast in a show called Love Is, which was being shown on OWN Oprah's network. Okay. and I couldn't I couldn't tell anybody until the news had dropped uh, in the in the news, you know, until it was um, reported in the news. So I'm sitting on this information. Like my life has changed when you jump to series regular. Everything changes—the way you're treated, the way you're paid. You know, they fly you everywhere. Top, you know, first class, business class, whatever. Uh, everything's paid for. Everything is organized for you. It—it it was like a dream come true. I thought I have made it, and I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. So, um, so I flew to Bermuda, January sixteenth, to help my mom. And I'm sitting in the in the waiting room at the hospital. She's in surgery, and it comes out on deadline. Lana Young has been cast as a series regular for *Love Is* on OWN, and it was like I couldn't believe my eyes that this was now in print. Like, oh my god! Now I had to tell people, so I of <laughs> course, immediately, immediately posted it online. And then five minutes, five minutes later, my mother's surgeon comes out and says that there's been complications, and they're going to have to keep her in to monitor her. Oh my! So you know, I soared to the heavens and then came crashing back down to earth, and. Uh, he ended up having a, a, a very difficult time and was in ICU for three and a half weeks and ended up being in hospital for three and a half months. Wow. Meanwhile, I'm trying to juggle this new series regular job. I got, I got flown to, to Los Angeles. I got to do read two episodes in front of Oprah, um, and all the Warner brother executives and all the own executives. And it was just I, like, I cry, I wept with happiness while I was, while this was happening and then I was running back to Bermuda to take care of my mother. I got to shoot my scene um, with uh, with my with Mara Brock who was the creator of the show. Who she also did Girlfriends and Being Mary Jane and shows like that. Um, my husband was played by Clark Peters, who, if you know The Wire and many many other shows, he he was in that show. Um, you know, stellar cast. Shot the pilot. Everyone was thrilled. Excited, Went back to Bermuda to wait for my next call for the next episode. And several weeks went by and, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And I started to feel like, oh, something, something's going on here. And then I saw my phone ring and Mara, Mara Brockett kills was calling me. And I thought, oh, this can't be good. And so I took off the phone like, hey, Mara. We start talking and small talk. And then all of a sudden she's like, there's no good way to say this, but... They want they they are going to recast you, and it just hit me like a like a knife in the gut. And I and anybody familiar with ego will tell you that it was the ego getting knifed in the gut. You know, like that's the immediate thing. Like, oh my god, why? What's going on? What What did I do wrong? All of those questions, right? Right. And she's like, she's like, I loved you. I wanted you in there. It's nothing. Nothing you did. You are brilliant they just wanted to go in a different direction and I since learned from other people who worked on that show that um it was possibly because the character's supposed to be 56 and I wasn't even 50 at that point and also I was playing the older version of, of the younger actress who is 5'8 and I'm 5'2 and so you know the the way she stood with her older counterpart compared to how I was standing with um with Clark uh, it just was too much of a difference and so they ended up going with um uh, Wendy from Army Wise and uh, you know she's in her 50s and she's 5'8 and she was perfect and you know she was lovely she sent me a message herself and said I just want you to know that when I went on set everybody there loved you they loved you and it was really hard for me to step into your shoes and I just wanted you to know that
2: wow dude and that's awesome
1: so, so gracious right so beautiful and so gracious it just made me feel so good but anyway, once I had gotten past that gut glow, I'm talking on the phone with Mara. We shed some tears, and then I kind of pulled myself up, and I was like, you know what? Things like this happen for a reason, and th- I don't know what that reason is yet, but I'm sure it's going to make itself clear sooner-, sooner than later, I hope. And Mara was like, that's the Lana I was hoping would receive this information, and you're going to do great things, and don't worry, and lots of love, and off we went, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when you negotiate a contract for a series regular role, you negotiate, before you're even cast, you negotiate your rate, um, and which is a per-episode salary, basically. And you negotiate how many episodes you get paid for, regardless of how many you end up shooting. So in my contract, I was, I think we negotiated something like a guaranteed six episodes. Like, I was going to be in more of those, but I was guaranteed to be paid for at least six. And, um... So I knew that that money was coming to me. So I was like, "All right, well, that's fine." Anyway, paid Ata, and they paid me for the whole season. Wow! And I was I was able to stay in Bermuda and take care of my very sick mother for a whole year and not worry about a thing.
2: And there you go. And I just
1: and I was like, "That's what this. That's what this job was. This yeah. job was to give me that freedom to take care of my mother. That's all." It That's wasn't amazing. for the job. It was for that gift.
2: Yeah. That's amazing. It was, That's yeah, awesome. It was,
1: it was absolutely uh, just breathtakingly uh, amazing. Yeah. And and it was a great journey to share with my friends and with my with my social media people because, you know, I think people always think it's so glamorous. But let me tell you, actors go through a lot of crap. We have a lot of heartbreak, a lot of disappointment, um, and I think it's just as important to share those as it, as it is the successes, and also to share how to navigate those things, and how to how to manage it healthily, so that you can sustain, so that this business is sustainable for you. Do you know what I
2: mean? Absolutely. If people didn't to- hear about how hard it was, they get... They get discouraged fairly quickly, I would think. So to hear other people say, "Hey, you know, I struggled at first, but now look at me—I have this yeah. huge IMDb page and look at all the work I've done," but it wasn't always easy. That's encouraging. That yes. I, that helps yeah. instead of just showing exactly. all the glitz and glamour. So yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And and the interesting thing is, what people forget is that if you're making an impression through your auditions and the work that you're doing, people are talking about you. Networks are talking about you. Studios are talking about you, even though you don't know it. And when I got, I got cast as a, as a recurring guest star on a show called Ambitions, which is also on OWN. And, um, on my first day on set, one of the executive producers, Sheila Duckworth, came over to me. I went over to her and introduced myself to her. And she said, oh, yes, I know you, Lana. Yes, yes, yes. I was just on the phone with OWN last night, and they're so happy you're back on the network and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Wow. You know, so, so you might be sitting at home licking your wounds going, I suck or I'm a failure. But don't waste your time on that energy because if you did your job well, regardless of whether it's you still have it or not, people will notice and they will be talking about you and they will be trying to figure out how to get you back.
0: And they're writing scripts in their basement or doing something behind the scenes and they're thinking of you when they're writing it and you know, yeah, you d- exactly. you don't know because they're, they're using from what they know in life to write that script yeah. and you're one of the people that's in their life. You made an impression on them and that role might be for you. Yeah. Exactly,
1: exactly. And I think it was Maya Angelou who said, you know, people may forget what you did for them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. That is so important in life. You know, I I, I know that, you know, I, I feel like it's not something I try to do. I just really, like I said, when I was a little girl, I was talking to strangers. I just really love people, and I'm very curious about people. So, and I'm also very grateful, and I don't know whether that's just coming from Bermuda and finding myself in all these sets, that, you know, from the person who's putting my comfort shoes on my feet or grabbing a coffee or directing me in the, in the show, it doesn't matter what role they're playing in that crew. They are important to me and they are interesting to me and I'm grateful to every single one of them. And uh, I think it's important for people to realize that when you walk on set, you know everybody there is helping to make that wheel go around, regardless of whether they're a background actor or the lead actress. You know, Don't treat anybody better than anybody else. Yeah. Everybody helps to that for that. Everybody helps that wheel turn around.
0: Well, I just have a new goal. I mean, you're inspiring me. I just want to work hard enough that I have somebody that'll put comfort shoes on me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny the first time
1: that happened. I was like, that was on uh, the Vampire Diaries, and I was in this. I was in the square chanting myself to death. My character—it it, was—it was a season where the travelers came and take over, took over people's bodies to take over the town. So my body was taken over by a traveler, and um, and I walk. I have this vial of blood in my hand, and I walk into the square, and I've got all these background ec- extras all around me, and I'm doing my scene, and I'm chanting myself to death, and I've got these super high heel shoes on, and I'm standing all day, and I finally we get a break, and I was like whispered to myself, oh my god, my feet like that. And they must have heard it on my mic and all of a sudden was like, get get Miss Young an Apple box and some comfort shoes, please. And this person comes running over with an Apple box for me to sit on, taking wow. my shoes off, comfort <laughs> shoes on me. Meanwhile, all the extras behind me have to stay standing. And I'm looking at them like, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, what? where am I right now? What? What sorcery is this? You know, it's like Twilight Zone. That's
2: awesome. <laughs> well
0: Lana, wow. Lana, we've almost done an hour. Yeah. Do you wanna um wow. do you wanna take a break and continue this and we'll do a part two? Is that okay? I have a meeting at twelve fifteen. Oh no, because we got so much I wanna talk about your acting school. I wanna talk about your your voiceover stuff and and, we'll just and to... praise the homework that I did last night at, at four in the morning. Okay. We haven't even got to that yet.
1: We'll have, we have to have it back on do it the
0: afternoon. Sure, absolutely.
1: All right, I, I think I have some time, like around four my time, four or five.
0: That sounds good. We'll talk about it. We'll we'll get off the air here. We'll talk about it and figure it out because I, I want to I wanna promote all, all your stuff. Yes, I would love to talk about all that stuff. That's, I know I can talk a lot about all these stories. Oh, and I'm loving it. I'm eating it up. So here's the thing, guys. <laughs> um, Lana, we'll be back. We're going to wrap this up. Lana, stay on the line. We're going to wrap everything up, and we'll come back for a part two. Sometime tonight, we'll record that part. But... Um, Tonight on January 20—well, sorry.
2: Yeah, tonight, the 23rd. I'm going to
0: have to edit this part out.
2: No, the 23rd tonight.
0: Okay, tonight on Jewel TV, um, you'll see uh, episode 15 will be airing. It's just called Christmas. It's at 7 o'clock. It's on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, the Jewel TV app, and tons of other places. It's in over 100 million households. Um, This is episode 15, so we only have one more left for season one. And we'll talk in another podcast, but we've already booked season two, so we're so happy about that. And on January 22nd, that's where I was going, we'll be doing our full evening Magic and Illusion show live on stage, but zoomed into the comfort of your living room. It's a fundraiser show for a couple different elementary schools, and the proceeds will truly help them out. For uh, ticket information or to find out more, just go to my website, wesisley.com, and you can get tickets there. Lana, um, do you have um, a Facebook page people can find you at, or anything like that? if They'd only hear this one episode.
1: Absolutely, actor Lana Young at actor Lana Young on Instagram and on Facebook, and Lana M Young, Amazon Michelle on Twitter.
0: You're awesome, girl! Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. I mean, we have so much more to talk about. I have so many more I notes.
1: Know. Let's do it! Let's do it!
0: All right. Be thank you, thank days. you, thank you. All right.
1: You guys are the best.
0: One. See you next, next week. week. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Express Copy and Graphics. Mention promo code Wes Isley to get 10% off. Their website is expresscopy.com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S-C-O-P-Y.com. They do it all. Copies, banners, signs, vehicle wraps, promo items, practically anything you need printed, they can do it for you. These guys are great. Check them out. Check us out online at wesseisley.com and patreon.com forward slash wes underscore Isley for behind the scenes videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W E S I S E L I.